1.8 million Americans turned down jobs due to generous unemployment benefits, according to a poll. So let's get into it. So more than 1.8 million unemployed Americans have turned down jobs over the course of the pandemic because of the generosity of unemployment insurance benefits, according to a poll published Wednesday by Morning Consult. Of those surveyed who were actively collecting unemployment benefits, 29% said they had turned down job offers during the pandemic, according to the poll. And among the group who said they had passed on a job, 45% cited the generosity of the benefits as a major reason why they did not accept the job offer. So the findings are based on Morning Consult survey of a representative sample of 5,000 U.S. adults from June 22nd to June 25th. So based on the 14.1 million Americans who were collecting unemployment benefits as of the week ending June 19th, the most recent figure available, Morning Consult, estimated that 1.84 million Americans had passed on a job due to unemployment benefits during the pandemic. Still, these UI recipients possess the necessary skills and experience to be offered a job in the current economy and had some level of contact with prior employers or actively applied to positions at some point during the pandemic, John Lear, Morning Consult's chief economist, said in a note. Now, while healthcare concerns and childcare obligations are a barrier to many unemployed workers accepting jobs, these workers acknowledge that they would be employed in the absence of unemployment benefits, he added. The figure applies to out-of-work Americans who are receiving any unemployment benefits, including traditional state unemployment, as well as the federal emergency benefits that doled out an extra $300 per week and are set to end in September. So, critics said that the additional unemployment benefits added up to more than what businesses could pay, and so those federal unemployment benefits became a sticking point for business owners. Republicans and many economists this spring as job growth failed to meet expectations amid the economic reopening, leading to a labor shortage. And so critics said these additional unemployment benefits added up to more than what businesses could pay and kept workers on the sidelines while businesses went understaffed. And according to Morning Consult's poll, 56% of those on unemployment said their prior income was better at covering expenses, but 23% and 21% said the unemployment checks were better or just as good as their previous pay. So at least 26 states have announced that they will be putting in end to the federal unemployment benefits program early to encourage to re- return to work, though some of those moves have been held up in court. In Lear, Morning Consult's economist noted that the slower-than-expected job rebound is not exclusively attributable to the generosity of unemployment benefits. Rather, a range of factors in addition to unemployment benefits contribute to slower-than-expected job creation earlier this year. Now, I agree, it most likely is not a situation where it's just purely unemployment benefits that was the reason. But unemployment benefits were basically like the cherry on top, right? So like, let's say that, you know, you have kids, you got to take care of them, you know, you also don't work from home. So it's basically like a situation, okay, so I'd have to leave my kids, I'll probably have to pay for daycare or some sort of babysitter, then I have to go travel and like spend the money on gas, go to the job, waste money there, waste money getting food, waste money, blah, 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 right? And it adds up. So there's probably a lot of factors as to why they're not necessarily going back to work, 
but the unemployment benefits, the ex- extra unemployment benefits, make it more enticing to stay at home. This is just like another added thing, right? And he also added that it's not clear abruptly ending the federal unemployment benefits program would be a net positive. Furthermore, reducing or terminating unemployment benefits carries its own set of costs, particularly in terms of limiting personal income and consumption if employment income does not rapidly replace unemployment benefits, he said. While more are likely to become employed as a result of expiring unemployment benefits, the transition toward income-driven spending carries its own set of economic risks. So either way, either way, that's pretty interesting. And it's kind of like interesting to see, you know, what's going to end up happening. And, you know, feel free to give your thoughts. The thing is, regardless if people are on unemployment now, you're eventually going to have to get a job, right? Because, you know, the United States does not have something implemented like it's like a universal basic income kind of like situation. So you're eventually going to have to get a job. And if it's a situation where... Only the jobs that could pay, you know, a higher wage will end up getting like the higher skilled individuals to do those jobs, which means all the lower tiered employees or potential employees are basically going to be not able to work. So what I mean by this, right, let's say there's like a minimum wage job that was paying, you know, maybe like $7 per hour, $7.50 per hour or whatever, right? And maybe it was, you know, dealing like, you know, like with just a simple task, right? I'm just going to use this as an example, but it's probably a little bit more complicated, but I'm just using it as an example, right? So let's say that someone was making minimum wage, just flipping burgers, right? And again, I'm simplifying it. That's not to, you know, throw hate on people who flip burgers, right? But let's just say someone is making minimum wage for flipping burgers. Now you're in a situation where people will end up getting paid more, not working on unemployment, right? So that means for the employer, they have to raise the amount of money that they pay per hour to get any employee, right? But... For them to justify hiring a higher-waged individual, that higher-waged individual's skills would have to be higher than just being able to flip burgers. They're probably going to have to be able to answer calls. They're probably going to have to do super good on customer service. They might have to be good at marketing. So they're going to have way more tasks that they must do, basically put more brunt on their shoulders more responsibility on their shoulders because the company has to justify that added expense of that employee, right? So that's something that people just don't think about, right? Like if you're having to pay someone more, right? You have to justify that their skills can bring in a higher return on investment. And if that's the case, that means you're going to basically not have a job for these low-skilled workers anymore or these entry-level workers anymore. You're going to be hiring people with a lot of experience. You're going to be hiring people who are super hard workers. You're going to be hiring people that are like super driven to the point where they want to scale up and keep growing within the company, 
right? Instead of someone who, you know, might just be like in school getting their very first job and just wanting to test the waters in the job market, make some a little bit extra cash, maybe buy their first car, that kind of stuff, right? So this gets into a really gray, iffy situation where the lower skilled individuals, probably the people who are like living in poverty or living in a very, very low income household are basically going to be completely screwed at the end of this because no one's going to want to hire them because they're not going to be able to deliver a high enough return for the company, right? Because again, no matter what, the company has to justify the investment of a higher wage. And if they cannot justify the higher wage, they're going to find a way to get a very good return on their investment, right? Like they're not going to put $1 in to make only $1 back. They want to put $1 in to make $5 back or $4 back or $10 back. And if they have to hire more but have similar to less output, they're basically screwed. They're not going to make enough money on their you know, percentage of like the net revenue and all that kind of stuff. So you got to really think about it. Are these companies really going to, you know, hire super low-skilled workers? No. Are they going to hire people who have no experience? No. Right? So this gets into another situation. It's like the similar situation argument about, you know, AI is going to start taking over jobs. And the thing is, a lot of these like fast food companies like McDonald's, Burger King, and all that kind of stuff are already going in the direction of automated things or more robotic things or things that require less overhead of paying workers because they know that at some point the state or the government is going to do something when it comes to like minimum wage where they're going to like force companies like these fast food chains to pay who knows like $20 an hour or something and at that point it's going to make more sense for them to drop a huge bag of cash on a robot that could do the job of five or six individuals that make it completely automated because if they could just basically automate things they're not going to hire people or they might just have one or two people physically working in their shifts right and they're fine with paying them a higher wage, the $15 per hour, $20 per hour, because they have all these auto, like automated systems that make things so cheap for them that they're just not going to bother hiring any more humans, right? So this gets into a really crazy situation that people got to wonder, like, huh, you know, what's going to happen now? Am I even going to be able to get a job? So if you need help with mastering your money, Go down below and learn the secret to mastering your money so that you're not in a situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck or having to take on unemployment. We'll see you in future episodes. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money and this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation. 
and is very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes.